0: As we, as we talk about this issue of the extent of the atonement for whom Christ died, uh, one charge, and, and I I think you figured this out before you ever walked in here, but let's get it out there just so you know. Uh, when we're all done, you're going to find me coming down on the side of the unlimited atonement. Christ shed his blood for the sins of all men. There is a charge that is made My Reformed theologians, in reference to that, and by the way, Casey, you and I need to talk. If you've got a minute after class, can we listen for just a second? Okay. Uh, I want to get straight to what we talked about as the semester began on what you're... Yeah. Okay, he knows. All right. Uh, But one of the charges that Reformed theologians make is that if you hold to an unlimited atonement, you believe Christ shed his blood for the sins of all men. Therefore, you must believe that eventually all are going to be saved. You must drift into universalism. And I do not believe that for a minute. And I know lots of us who hold that Christ died for all people that the blood of Christ is that should save anybody who do not believe all are going to be saved. And that's very clear. In fact, one of my good five-point Calvinist buddy friends says, one way or the other, every one of us believes the, li- the atonement is limited. And well, <coughs> we'll, When we get to the conclusion of this section, we'll see that. But there are folks who drift into universalism. They get there through Arminianism not through just an unlimited atonement. Now all Arminians hold to an unlimited atonement. Not all who hold to an unlimited atonement are Arminians. And we need to keep that very clear. We do not believe uh, that God gives this prevenient (coughs) grace to all men that gives them and need ability to respond to the gospel. We have already spoken, spent a fair amount of time in this course talking about the fact there's got to be that convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God that draws a sinner to Christ, and without that, no one's going to be saved. And I think you've said that enough, we're clear on that, are we not? Okay. Yes? Pardon me? I am on page 49. If I can get my little thing to work. 49 is up there also. Okay? So, it is true. Little A here. It is true, and I've just obliterated it. It is true that Arminianism can lead to universalism. And you witness the openness of God theology of Clark Pinnock, John Sanders, and others. Uh, Clark Pinnock has gone to heaven within the last couple of years he is has to be a great theological enigma started out as a baptist strong calvinist who ended up not only an Arminian, but uh, very close to a universalist made statements like didn't he, he still believed that christ was the only way for someone to be saved but he believed there might be indicators in other religions that could point someone to Christ. Now, that just flies in the face of everything the Bible says about idolatry, about any kind of false religion. Okay. So how he got there, that is that is amazing. I am convinced, however, that it is not the unlimited atonement position that leads to universalism. Rather, it's two other fatal flaws in our mechanism that lead to universalism. The first is the view that the love of God rather than the holiness of God is God's primary attribute. And that you will deal with in theology proper, so I think we're all on fair ground there and then Arminianism's flawed view of man's depravity, that man has within himself uh, some ability to respond to God, they also contribute to the tendency to Arminianism or to universalism. I believe that if one has a biblical view of God's holiness and man's total depravity, he can then accept the statements of Scripture concerning the unlimited atonement without facing the pitfalls of universalism or a ludicrous view of God's character. Now, having said that, questions at that point? I want to launch into what I hope we can finish today, don't know if we will, but I want to launch into this discussion of the limited atonement or the particular redemption position. And what I did several years ago when I put this together, I went through and assembled as best I could every argument I could find from those who hold to limited atonement their own arguments. And before we do anything else, I want to set out for you, in essence, in their own words, their arguments. We will come to refutation later. First, we'll just set them out here and as much as possible, if there is if there is some descriptive comment that needs to go with it, it'll be theirs.
1: All right? Yes, sir. Morrison, yes, in your travels, uh, what would you say the percentage, if there is one, the percentage of Baptist preachers within fundamentalism that might hold to a position? Is there any?
0: Yes. There is and I you posed your question as you did. What percentage of fundamental Baptist pastors would hold to a limited atonement? And the answer to that is, yes, there are those who do. I have preached for four or five of them over the last 30 years, had good fellowship with them, and... They are clearly among fundamental Baptists across the United States of America today. A minority. Okay. In other words, those who are strongly Calvinistic among fundamental Baptists are largely four-point Calvinists.
1: With yeah, this being the exception. This being the exception. Yes. But then you make the shift over to conservative evangelicalism and you find it to be a much more popular... There is, a,
0: there is a huge resurgence of both, and I want to say both, and I'm going to use the, these two terms separately. Reformed theology, and I'm taking the whole covenant of works, covenant of grace, ball of wax there. all right. There is a huge resurgence of that, and there is a huge resurgence of Calvin. Right? Okay. Now, uh, and by the way, let's broaden it out to traditional American evangelicalism. And Dallas Seminary and its influence is not today what it was 40 or 50 years ago. But Dallas was, with its Lewis Ferry Schaefer Presbyterian roots, Dallas was traditionally four point and you can fairly well guess the vast majority of Dallas grads out there would be. All right? Okay. Now, uh, you go to you go to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, and it's solid five. You yep. get around Southeastern Seminary and the Southern Baptist Frame of Reference in Wake Forest, and it's kind of all over everywhere. They have some real interesting debates. Okay. <clears throat> Having said that, let's just walk through as many of these arguments as we can make here. Bruton first lists several scripture references Reformed theologians used to justify their position that Christ died only for the sins of the elect. By the way, let me say one other thing. This is practical. This is application. This is not. This is not theological. Okay. I led Baptist World Mission for 28 years. Baptist World Mission clearly has a statement of the unlimited atonement in its doctrinal statement. We had missionaries resign when they could no longer sign the doctrinal statement over that point. And we have to have a direction that a ministry marks out for itself. This is where we're going. And what we're going to talk about here, I hope you get the idea when we walk out of here, that what Moritz believes, he believes to the depths of his soul. But this is also a place for charity. Let us remember that Carey and the Baptists who founded the modern missions movement in India were five pointers, and the whole battle between the Gillites and the Fullerites in India or in uh, in, uh, in England was: Do we? urge sinners to repent when we preach the gospel to them? Do we urge them to put their faith in Christ? <coughs> and do we make a legitimate offer of the gospel? Those were the issues among them, and that separated uh, John Gill from Andrew Fuller. Uh, I would, uh, you know, the question would be, are we so strong in our unlimited atonement position that were he alive today's Charles Adam Spurgeon five pointer would be unwelcome in our pulpits. With all of his stand for the faith and he went down fighting and lightly fighting, was a pre-fundamentalist because he died before the fundamental movement, the fundamentalist movement got going, but fought for exactly what fundamentalists fought for 10, 15 years later, and what they articulated ten, fifteen years later. So you know, at what point do we break fellowship in certain areas where we can and can't work? We have to understand that. And a whole more practical application we can get into as we get toward the end of it. Let's, let's take the arguments. First of all, Gruden lists several scripture references, and this is perhaps the strongest argument that the Reformed brethren make. Several scripture references that they used to justify their position that Christ died only for the sins of the alike. John chapter 10, verses 11 and 15. Uh, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus said. Uh, Acts 20:28, 20, where Paul says to the elders of Ephesus, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so, Paul speaks of this church that was bought with the blood of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 8, 33 and 34, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. And and, uh, Paul's statement there, Ephesians 5 25, where Paul says, Husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, Jesus statements in John six thirty seven to thirty nine. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. John 17, 9 and 20. Uh, Jesus talking about his disciples there. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then in verse 20, I pray not for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Uh, Romans 5, 8, and 10. Uh, God commandeth his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for, for us. For, for if, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Second Corinthians 5, 21. You begin to get a pattern. And uh, these are verses many of you have memorized as kids, are they not? He hath made him to be sin for us who do no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And you can look at Galatians 1. In fact, I opened it up and checked it. I've got them right here. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So that, that, those are the uh, those are the types of scriptures that that they use. And then uh then he goes on to say, further support for the Reformed view is found in the consideration that the blessings of salvation, including faith, repentance, and all the works of the Holy Spirit and binding redemption, were also secured by Christ's redemptive works specifically for His people. Those for whom he earned forgiveness also have had those other benefits earned for them. Now, the Ephesians 1 3 and 4 passage, where Paul says that that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You heard me sit here the other day and quote Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he now also with him freely give us all things? The scripture is very clear. Every blessing of the Christian life, everything we need to get from here to glory is given to us as a benefit of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do find one thing very interesting. And I have used this verse in preaching. Preach from it. But I find it strange. That Gruden includes Philippians 1.29. In his section. For Philippians 1.29. Paul says for unto you. It is, be, it is given. In behalf of Christ. Not only. To believe on him. But also. To. I ought to get it exactly right, right. while well, I'm at it, so i let you go over but there. But also to suffer for his sake. Yes. do is given in behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. And Paul is saying that just as God in his grace gave us faith and our salvation and all that we have in Christ, so we have this privilege of suffering for him. I'm, I'm not, not sure that suffering, suffering for Christ is a benefit purchased by the finished work of Christ. So I found find that, found that, found that one very really interesting. And then, then Robert, Robert Raymond. I've, I've never, never met that. Dr. Raymond. And I'm, I'm sure understand. there are some areas where we can have some good, good fellowship. I'll, I'll talk, talk about, about this argument later. But, but this one blows me away. He cites Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one, and while we're at it, uh, you folks who had Dr. Oates' dispensationalism class, I am sure you have spent some time in the thirty-first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, the New Covenant. But listen, listen to this. God says, "Behold, the days come," saith the Lord, "that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel." And with the house of Judah. Now, listen, listen to Raymond. Raymond. Raymond adds the scriptural proof, Jeremiah 31, 31, where God <laughs> promises to make his new covenant with the house of Israel, Israel and with the house of Judah. Citing, Citing this verse, he, he elaborates, that is, with the, the church of a true Israel. So he, he wants, wants to read the church right back into Jeremiah chapter 31. One.
2: And then other scriptures
0: sometimes cited, Matthew one he he'll save his people from their sin, Isaiah 53, 8 and 12, and uh, Hebrews 9.28, Christ also was once, uh, once suffered to bear the sins of many. Now, several arguments are advanced, sometimes advanced for the limited atonement, beyond, beyond that scriptural evidence. evidence. The, the argument from election, namely, and watch, watch this one, a little way. That if God purposed from eternity past to save certain of mankind, it is only reasonable suppose to suppose that he used means exactly equal to the in mind. In other words, Christ didn't die for anybody when he get saved. On that
1: point, can I just ask you, we've talked about holding to the substitutionary mm-hmm. death of Christ. If that statement is true, how is it, is it fully substitutionary?
0: But the Why question you? is, and, and let me that, tell that, you, that, if that, Robert that, Raymond that, were to walk in here this way, we that, would that, stand that, shoulder to shoulder that, and fight that, a common enemy that, for that, the substitutionary that, death of Christ. And against any concept that would minimize it or deny it right we would all be in agreement where we would disagree be. was it would be over whom does that substitution apply well that's what I'm saying if um, if someone goes
1: to hell mm-hmm. um, that substitution didn't take
0: place well and if, I, I am, am going to later, later Show you. I'm sorry, but no, no, that's, that's fine. fine. No, no, no. I, like I like that because it shows something. And I and hope you're not really. the only one here. But, but it, it looks, looks like, like you are thinking, thinking the same direction, direction I'm thinking anyway. And, and we, we can get, get too far, far ahead of the story, but let's just say this much. Peter is going to say, and we will see him in 2 Peter 2 1, brother man, that there are going to come those false teachers just as there were false prophets in, the la- in, uh, in Israel. And he's. Uh, I've got that about half. Let's get it exact. There, there, but there, there were also there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies. Listen to the next statement: even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And then Peter is writing about these false teachers. He does, he does not, not use nice, nice language to describe right their false teaching. And he says, they deny the very Lord who bought them. And it sure looks hard. like they, they were the, were God the God objects God. of the redeeming work of Christ, doesn't it? What, what's the reference Second to this? 2nd Peter 2 1. Thank you. Thank you. So that's, that's where the debate would be, would be if brothers Raymond and Ruder were to walk in here this morning. We <laughs> right? would have wonderful. the fur, fur would fly. If Raymond and I got to talking about got to talking about church polity. Uh, <laughs> reading him on Acts chapter 15. Trying to read a Presbyterian presbytery into the, the church council at Acts. At Acts 15, the Council at Jerusalem. I, I could just read Peter Bailey. I mean this uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's, well, it's it's pretty funny, but uh, or you you get the point. Yes, sir. Um, I was wondering
1: <laughs> if um, the uh, Revelation thirteen eight and uh, specifically uh, those that will not worship or will mm-hmm. worship
2: the beast that were not
1: found in the book of life mm-hmm. uh, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When was that book written, do you think? And uh, well, that's it. That's the main question I have. If we'll get into that. And we,
0: when we, that, that probably will more come up when we get into the election, election. part of this. For the case. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And, and listen, let, let, I, I told you this. this. If, if I, I didn't say it the first day of first class, day I said it very close to the first day, day of class. class. When, when, we when we get, get it all, all done, 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 we're not going to have all the problems settled. Right. The, the <laughs> tension between man's responsibility, man's responsibility, man's response to God, and God's, God's sovereignty is, a, is a, a, I, I think Don Carson said, said it better than anybody else, it is not, not a problem, problem to, solve. to solve, it is a framework to explore. And mm-hmm. this is not, not ever going to solve all of those issues. Uh, but we have to, what we're really what we're doing here is, is letting the scripture lay, set the parameters, the boundaries, for the tension. Um, I would argue that that tension still falls within the boundaries, at least on one side of the field, of the fact that Christ did die his death was sufficient for the salvation of anyone who will believe Okay. And now, and that still it's doesn't get to does God know him? who's going to be saved? Were we chosen in him before the foundation of the world? And the answer to that is yes. That's where we have a hard time figuring everything out. Okay. Right. And There will be a lot more discussion about that as we get there. But, uh, what else? Yes, ma'am? So my question I
1: was observing. It seems like the whole conversation of limited or unlimited is kind of I mean, I believe that the Bible teaches unlimited, but it's like it's sufficient, so why not stop there?
0: (laughs) And you know know what? what? You know know what? what? We are going to conclude precisely at that point. You you, you just just (laughs) jumped jumped (laughs) in.
1: Thank you. I've heard people say it was sufficient in its... You know you what know I'm talking about? Right. Breaking it's, out it's, the it's, extent it's, and the effect sort of deal. If you don't want to talk about this, why can't you have to talk about
0: it? Let's, Let's just, just go. Just, just turn, turn page to page 60. Get to page 60. And, and I'll show you <laughs> where we're going to conclude. Chip's, Chip's going to love it. I've been hassling him. Sarah him. Hall, congratulations. That lady lady turned in her theologian review and read. I I was sitting in front of my computer computer at the house house when I read read her review yesterday. And she starts out by saying, I read 200 pages of Augustus Hopkins Strong. And I told my wife, that gal gets a badge. (laughs) (laughs) He is... a better man than I am. Free... three three levels of print and all of that, but there's there's some great stuff in there, isn't (laughs) there? (laughs) Okay. Okay. But, But, uh, right, Last statement. (laughs) Just (laughs) before we go to the order of salutes. Okay? I'm I'm going to tell you where I'm going to come out. Since since you're all, you've 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 jumped to that conclusion. No, (laughs) I I, I don't think there's any other place to come out. Okay. So So just let me read it. First Timothy 4.10. This this is a quote from my I, man may who will become my friend when I get the glory. <laughs> the justice of gets strong, okay? And I will become can, your friend too. You'll He'll probably speak in bigger, bigger letters than you wrote. Okay. <laughs> okay. For for therefore we both labor and suffer, and suffer reproach because of we trust the living God who is the Savior, Savior of, all of all men, especially of those who believe and that believe. And believe. We, are we are a solid a biblical ground, ground in concluding that the gospel, gospel is sufficient, sufficient to save all, but sufficient only for those who believe. Augustus 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 Strong opens his discussion discussion of this subject with a statement that provides a a succinct conclusion conclusion for ours. Here you go. go. The "The scriptures represent the atonement as having been made for all men, and and as sufficient sufficient for the salvation salvation of all. Not, Not the atonement, atonement, therefore, is limited, but the application of the atonement through the work of the Holy Spirit. Upon this principle of a universal atonement, but a special application of it to the elect, we must interpret such passages as, you go, asserting a special efficacy of the atonement in the case of the elect. And also, also search such passage passages as 2 Peter 2 1 and 1 1 on, that the death of Christ is for all. Right? So good. And then came yeah. to that conclusion long before right. I ever got here. But at any rate, Does that helped. That Yes. Ben? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, that's Yeah, that's the phrase I was looking for. Right? Thank you. Good. And, and by, by we, the way, if you want better. to go, go yeah. get that in the yeah. original yeah. source, it's on page seven seventy one of Strong. Okay. okay. Now, now let's back, back up. up. Now, 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 can we back up, up and look <laughs> through it again to get there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So similar so arguments, and pages, these are, I guess, I guess I'll call them philosophic philosophical arguments advanced okay. for the limited atonement, okay. Mainly, the argument, argument from like, election, a God God purpose for returning the, the past to save certain okay. mankind. If it's only, only reasonable. I suppose that he used means exactly equal to the end that he had in mind. And And then then from the Reformed presupposition of a covenant of redemption, Reformed theologians hold that God made a covenant of works with Adam, which was followed by a covenant of grace with the human race after the fall. They also hold that God in Christ made a covenant of redemption in which Christ purposed to die for sinners. Only, only those, those who are saved, are saved are the objects of this covenant. Us Thus, only, only the elect, elect are the elect are objects of the atonement. And, and folks, let, let me say that over and over, and over again. again. It, it has to be said in a dispensationalism class. class. It, it got, got said, said in a theological systems, systems class. It, it get said lots of places. But the problem, problem is, And again, some some of you you have have read Buzzwell. I've I've got Hodge, and some somebody has done done a review of Hodge Hodge in in this course. And uh, and, uh, and, uh,
2: there is a lot
0: to learn from those old old Reformed theologians. And there are places places where we we, where we we rejoice rejoice in a common faith. And by by the the way, Robert Robert Raymond is a living, breathing, in some one one of of those today. And, And. and, and I, I want his systematic, systematic theology to have the latest dress of Reformed, Reformed theology. theology. You, you read Robert, Robert Raymond. I'm, 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 I'm going to blow him up story. some more here before I'm done. But, but you, you read, read Robert, Robert Raymond on Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to guarantee you something. You get in you get his systematic theology. You read him <coughs> on Romans 3, in the penal substitutionary death of Christ. If you're not in tears, you'll be very close. it is a masterful exposition of that passage of Scripture. And the interesting thing about those guys is that when they get down to and handle the Word of God, many times they do a beautiful job with it. When, when they get, get into their philosophical presuppositions, that we're going to prove the Westminster, Westminster Confession we're, we're going to prove church doctrine, doctrine it is at that, that point where they, they get into trouble, get into trouble. So the, the problem, problem with, covenant with covenant of works, covenant, works covenant, covenant of grace covenant of redemption between the father and the, the father son and the, but the problem, problem is, is the scripture just doesn't say anything about and, and it, it is, is very comforting to me. I know I, know I can, can pick up a running shower. Some, Some of you have read his book. book. There really is a difference on dispensationalism. I can pick up, I can pick up, up uh, I love Augustus Hopkins Strong. Uh, he, he talks, talks about uh, the covenant of works and uh, says that it was designed by, it was invented by this guy, Kojus, who was a Dutch theologian. And, uh, and then he quotes I do want to make the statement himself. so he quotes Edwards Amasa Park who was a Congregationalist theology professor a contemporary of Strong's and uh, he says Dr. Park caused great offense when he observed that that covenant, the covenant of works was made in Holland uh, and that, that's why Strong is fun to read that's why the Blueprint is the good,
2: good stuff. stuff.
0: But, but anyway, anyway, at any, at any rate, oh, you you just, just cannot find it, it. and, and it, really it really encourages me when I go pick up. What is it Paul Williamson's book, Sealed, Sealed with an Oath? And he is, is an Anglican from in Australia, in and, and he's writing, writing on the. the Awaitic, mosaic, epideic. And, and New, New covenants. covenants. And it's a book about that thing. And I would, would especially, especially you guys who are going to preach, I would encourage you to get that book in home. And it's a 2005 I, or 2007 I, I, publication from University Press. Sealed, Sealed with an Oath is the name of it. And it's, it's one of the greatest exposition of the biblical covenants you'll ever find. And he takes the first few pages of his book to work through this whole thing of covenant works and covenant of grace. And, and the Anglican after, after about thirty pages of discussion, discussion gets all done and it. says no basis in scripture over, for those for those over. covenants. And, and you, you just, just add, have a very difficult time reasoning soundly when you start with, with a presupposition for which you do not have scripture. Right. All right. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh yes, yes, sir. sir. Um,
2: I, I read uh, Boswell on this, and um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know I talk about this in my, my summary, but I, I thought it was definitely interesting that it, that throughout I noticed there are different points, especially when he went through like the five points of covenant, mm-hmm. you know, defended, so I just explain this or whatever. He was he definitely relied on you know, through, through the three big opposition that you know the covenant thing that he kind of I don't know if he explained probably explained
0: it earlier just the algebra but he's kind of coming mm-hmm. you know, up. At points, he kind of just uh, uh, he kind of just assumes. Just moving into, into the fabric of this. and then
2: and then like different points where he didn't have any scriptural support, he just relied on like Westminster Confession, all those different different things. But the the, third, the big one that I noticed as he went from point to point with five points mm-hmm. was that he would always say, take "Well, because of this and this and this, it logically follows," and so he just kind of his he, he just presupposed that mm-hmm. that. God's plan had to fit into man his yes. own into a logical yes. order of things and yes. he, he started with and we can start with the total depravity mm-hmm. and then he said well it just logically follows like this and yep. never man has no ability that for God must do everything and then he just mm-hmm. he just kind of thinks that you know yep yep
0: you're, 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 you're right. right and listen there, there, there is there's, 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 there's a, place a place for scripture, scripture and a right reason and, and we understand that You've got a yep. reason to get to the Trinity. Yep. You've got to put a lot of scripture together to get with the you know, to, to come out with a forward doctrine of the Trinity. But uh, it helps the Help. reason above the basis of scripture. Yeah. Okay. okay. Then um, so I sorry. You got that horse beaten <laughs> but, but, but it is a thing. thing; it is a thing that you just have to keep in mind. Third argument is from the special, special love of God for His people. This, this is seen in several, several of the scriptures of that is well, uh, cited thus above. The thus, the atonement must, must be limited. Christ died for, for us. Those, those types, types of scriptures. Then, the Reformed theologians also argue, top of page fifty-two. Also, argue from the Old Testament priesthood. The high, the high priesthood, priesthood. the high priest interceded for all those for whom he offered in sacrifice. What was true of the Old Testament Aaronic priesthood is true of Christ, but they were types of Christ. Christ therefore intercedes for all for whom he offered himself as a sacrifice. He cannot be said to intercede for those who do not actually receive the benefits of his salvation. The fifth fifth argument argument for the limited atonement is is that if Christ really satisfied the demands of the law for all men, men, if he he made atonement atonement for all, meeting all all their 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 legal requirements, it it would seem that the law would would have have no no further claim on them as a condition condition of life and and could not not very very well exact exact another satisfaction of them by by eternal eternal punishment. punishment. In other words, words, that's your logical leading to universalism. Where they want to go with that? And, and then, then Raymond, Raymond advances t- the argument that God's, God's redemptive God. love does not include fallen angels. And the, the atonement, atonement is limited because God. it doesn't include the angels, is his argument. And then Raymond, Raymond also, also cites the irreversible, irreversible condition of lost men already in hell when like Christ died. died. And, and he, he also, also cites the limited, limited number, number of people the divine arrangement who actually hear the gospel. Now, now folks, folks I explain, am not claiming that that is exhaustive. But I am, I am telling, telling you, you in the reading, reading I've, I've done that, that is, is as far as I, I know every argument I've, I've come across uh, for the limited atonement. Eight. Right? Questions? Questions Comments comments at that point? (coughs) Capital C. Let's see see how we can refute it. The first thing we have to point out is that some of the scriptures cited are taken out of context. And and Buddha's use of of John John 10, 10, and 11. Let let me, let's just read that while we're at it. It ignores verse 9. But for John 10, 10 and 11, Jesus says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And Rududum is centering on the fact that Jesus died for those who actually are sheep. John 10, nine. I am the door. I me if. Any man enter in, he shall go in and out and find pasture. Okay. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a universal oh, universal, universal. invitation. Yeah. Any Amen. man enters in, he'll go in and out find pasture. <clears throat> is there a
1: difference between um, a universal offer and universal element?
0: Because, well, <laughs> Let, let's put it this way, Brother Chip. Holding oh. to oh. any form of election, and when you yeah. get there, you're going to find out I hold to unconditional election. I believe the Bible teaches that. And we still, still have to wrestle with yeah. that very question, and that, that was fun. the battle between it's the fun. John Gill yeah. hyper Calvinists. <laughs> And Andrew Fuller and later Charles Spurgeon Calvinists in England can we make a legitimate offer of the gospel John Gill's position was you could preach the gospel but you could not invite sinners to be saved because you didn't know who the elect were and yet Gill was something of an enigma I've got, I've got to drag it up. I'd have to go back and read it again, but within the last six months in reading Baptist history, uh, Hill looked very favorably on the, the evangelistic preaching of, of uh, Quickfield. Okay? And I, and I think Quickfield preached in a field... Not, not very, very far, far from Horsley now where Hills' church was. All of, all that, of that's walls. all city now. Can you, <laughs> you imagine a place? Uh, it it eventually, eventually got spelled H O R S E L Y D O W N, but it was originally three words H O R S E L Y E D O W N. So it was Horsley Down. And, uh, there, was a, <laughs> there, was a, there was a field, field out, out there somewhere, somewhere and, and apparently there. Whitfield it, preached it, in a field not, not, really not very far, far from from Gill's church, and Gill was agreeable to it and didn't, didn't fight it, it and, and supported it. it. Okay. So, so but but Gill's attitude well, was, so that's and that's why why was, was, and that's why Gill is a hyper And by the way. That term hyper Calvinist gets thrown around, and all kinds of people get called all kinds of names. And one, of one of the wonderful, wonderful things you can do is get on the blogs and see all of the spirituality <laughs> uh, that, uh, that, that, <laughs> that, that, and there's a bunch of it going on right now. But, but, uh, but, but the classic definition of a hyper Calvinist is, is that the hyper Calvinist. would Would not make his own own offer of the gospel. wouldn't urge people to be saved because he didn't know who the elect were. were Where Gill Fuller, and Harry, 1792, Spurgeon, their heir, 50 years later, believed that that scripture calls all to be saved. Scripture does make a legitimate offer of the gospel to all. And we must make that legitimate offer of the gospel to all. Agreed. Yeah. That was was a battle. You've got to understand that. That was a debate between Calvinists. That was a debate between five-point Calvinists.
1: I think that that separa- I have two questions. I, know, question I think that separates the men from the boys, if you will, in that sense. Because I think that you can be Calvinistic and even hold to this position so long as you take the position that you can give an offer <laughs> of the gospel. And listen,
0: yeah, I agree, and, and there, is, there is another thing you've got to understand. There, well, there is a way Arminianism can mm-hmm. ruin churches. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there is also a way that Calvinism can ruin churches. Yes. And I pastored one where a man drank a lot of Dutch Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, that, and that was a it. <laughs> and the church went from 400 to 160 in 13 weeks. And I came in behind that. That was pretty tough. By no. the way, we can all take a little theological humor, can't we? Sure. There, there are two books that so. Anandarvan is releasing right now. More than two, but they're releasing two books this fall. And the, <laughs> the two books are simply titled For, For Calvinism and Against and Calvinism. Against Calvinism. And, then and you ought to be- see. Ad that they sent, when they sent the announcement. Yeah. Here is the for Calvinism, and right. right in front of the book is this okay. bouquet of very vigorous tulips. In front, front of, the, of the, against Calvinism, it. the tulips are all wilted. Yes. and uh, <laughs> So, they, so they, they, they have some fun. They have some fun with it. Uh, and then I do, I do not, not believe can five. Five point you can justify a five-point caliber. I do not, not believe you can. But it is not, not the red heresy great. that some folks want to make it. We need to understand that. And any anything can be taken and run into the ground. The end is. So... so
1: Okay. okay now, yeah. Here's my question, and I thought this was an unfair question. I'll let it be quick. Somebody asked me one time. They said, "All right, so you take the, the, the limited atonement kind of position. Did Jesus die for Judas's
0: sins just like he died for Peter's sins?" And the answer is, if Jesus died for the apostates of whom Peter speaks in 2 Peter 2 in verse 1, the answer is absolutely yes. Take it one step further. See him hanging on the cross and one thief repents and one thief doesn't. Did he die for both of them? Absolutely. His sacrifice was sufficient for either. Yes ma'am.
1: Um, how would um guys like Spurgeon and Gill how would they witness one on one? Because like, I, think <laughs> I remember reading something maybe in Spurgeon where he said, I I can't tell you that Christ died for you necessarily mm-hmm. but I can still give you the gospel somehow. Well,
0: said, well let, let, let me tell you, Sarah so 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 number so number what one, what Spurgeon, Spurgeon has to, to be a mm-hmm. most printed and reproduced preacher. Hmm since anybody in the Bible, I think. Be, be careful what, what you read of Spurgeon. Uh, uh, if if somebody, somebody is reproducing Spurgeon sermons, take it to the bank. If somebody is writing and printing Spurgeon sermons, you've got to know if they're editing them for their own purposes, too. So you've got to know who you're who you're trusting there. I'm, so not, I'm not making a comment one way or the other on that. And, and the, with, with you know, the master's degree students, you're taking all of these hours, and all of this outside reading, and I'm going to throw some more reading at you, you know. That's a props. ploy. Oh, boy. There, there is a book. Someone, someone has put it together. If, if I have it, I think it's up on the third floor. I don't think it's in. Don't think it's in Florida. I think it's here. It is. It is, is a oh, book. Scourgeon preached a series of sermons, and they, and they had been put, put together other, in a book entitled mm-hmm. "Sermons on Sovereignty," and, and they are. They are an incredible set of messages outlining what was in his heart and what he believed. And he's, and he's talking about God. irresistible grace. What <laughs> Sunday night. And he, and he winds, winds, winds the sermon up saying if you're sitting here and you know, you know within your heart, heart there is a longing for God and you know you need to be saved. Well, don't you worry about whether you're one of the elect or not. You call on Christ. And, and then when was, he was at Water Beach before what? he went to London, just, I just in the last three, last three months, months yeah. read this about it. That, that, that little, even before, even before he went in the ministry when he was a young layman, that, that, that guy was out in that town world. where he became pastor. And I don't know if it was 50 or 100 people that he inherited in that town, it was oh, 450 world. when he left two years and three years later, went um, to London. The guy was out knocking on doors, as we would say it today, talking to people in their homes, house to house, evangelism, witnessing and winning people to Christ. And then the, the real hearts of flame, the George Whitfield, Charles Spurgeon, those guys, guys. again, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I cannot go there. But, but they, the, they, uh, they, they okay. believe that yeah. we are responsible yeah. to preach the gospel to every creature. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. did it. Mm-hmm. Another, another one of later, uh he's, he's been, been dead for 35, 40 years he, now, he be Martin White-Jones, was another guy mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Can <laughs> you
1: Like I said earlier, you could potentially hold the position that we preach the gospel to every person. And yet they're told they mm-hmm.
0: And And there are many who have done that. Yep. There are many who have done that. The, the, the other, other thing, thing, and I'm getting further, further ahead of my story, but let me just throw this out. When, when you wrestle with the five I, points, I think, I think scripture is clear and I'm definitive on unlimited atonement. One, One that I probably have a harder time with with the Calvinists themselves is irresistible grace, because they are all over the board I'm trying to get a definition. Can, we, can, we can read Grudem. We can, we can we can read almost any Calvinist. If, if I had gone back into Buzzwell, we find, find very very similar definitions of limited atonement. You follow me? That's pretty well, pretty well so. set in concrete. To go go somewhere else, and forgive me for using a colloquial illustration, but to try to come up with a definition of irresistible grace is a proverbial task of trying to nail jello to the wall. Because what I read from Charles Hodge, just for instance, about irresistible grace, it's that work of the Holy Spirit on the heart of the sinner that draws him to Christ without doing any violence to his will. Boy, I mean I wouldn't have much problem with that. Then, then you get the other the other folks who want to just about make man a robot in an automaton and the elect is when the button gets pushed.
1: Moon move moves. Hodge also differentiates the call
0: though. Yes. Yes. I understand that. The effectual call that's and, and the general call. Yes. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes sir. That's sir.
1: It seems like maybe um, the, some people hold to limited totally um, really are just really are holding to a uh, limited application, as we said. Like, as, as in what mm-hmm. Strong said, and they, they don't necessarily believe in a limited atonement. They really just believe in a limited application, even though they're calling it a limited atonement. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You nailed it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Would you say that's a wrong position?
0: Wrong Strong's position?
1: So he's yeah. thinking a limited application.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No. no. It, it that, is that is very clear. Are all, are all going to be saved? No. no. They, if you hear His voice, are hardened, not your heart.
1: So then Judas, he really didn't. I mean, his, the blood
0: of Christ just wasn't applied to him because he didn't believe. Is that what you were saying? He rejected. But, he by by the way, do you think he legitimately never heard the gospel? Picture yourself in, in uh, Capernaum or Mark, Mark 9. 13, Thirteen men in that room. Jesus is the 12th. Only, only one's, ones there. I'm going to, to make me? eye contact with some of you deliberately while I'm doing this. So so you can you imagine the Son of God in the room just about like that saying, if your hand offends you, cut it off? It's better for you to enter into life, me than having two hands to be cast into hell, and into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, where the fire is not quenched. If your foot of thing you cut off, it's better for you to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, where okay. the worm into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm okay. dieth not, where the fire is not quenched. And if Cassidy Jesus made contact with Judas like I am with you right now while he was saying those words. Can you imagine the tension, the drama in that room when Jesus made that statement? You think you could have cut it with a knife? You think the Son of God was pleading with him? You think he had to be under conviction? And scripture all always puts the responsibility for sin, the responsibility for sin's consequence on us and our will. Always. <clears throat> now, why? We'll why? Never, never know this. We've got to keep moving there. Keep moving. Up. But why? Why? And Is he's in heaven now, now, I'm going to call, call the me. guy's name, none of, none of you would ever know him. I a guy by the name of Les Garrison over in Rochester, Minnesota. And his wife was a believer and his kids were and he had grandkids and his wife and his, some of his kids and his grandkids in our Sunday school. And Les Garrison come to church Sit three rows from the front and feel all I, I preached. Give, it Give it an hand. invitation. If you you can see, see him stand there, not, and his knuckles turn white as he grabbed the pew ahead of it. You see the, see the color, color. Well, go up and green in his, in his neck. Never, Never be mad. mad. I mean he was just, just he, he was just under conviction. He'd walk, walk out he talked to me very frankly and I witnessed to the guy and one day sitting in his living room watching a television broadcast something happened and all at once he called out Lord right there and he was a different man just a couple of years later he was in heaven But, but but why, why that, that resistance and why that resistance and all, all at once. I had, a guy, I had a guy to the Lord in Indianapolis one night. He sat in the Thompson Road Baptist Church in Indianapolis. And he, every, every, every Sunday he went, of the world he was on the center, center aisle, left, left side, very back, very back row. And the invitation was given. was given. I've, I've seen, seen that, guy, that guy stick his left, left foot out in the aisle. Left left side as I'm looking at the auditory. I've, seen, I've him, seen that guy stick, stick his left foot out in the aisle, aisle and do everything but come forward. If, and if, if a good a breeze, breeze had come along and have blown him out in the aisle, he would have. Oh, no. And and he, can, he can, and I went to his home then, one night and he was he, ready and he got saved. He didn't have any problem coming forward making a public profession, getting baptized, but but no. You know why lie that long resistance? Why lie that fight? And then uh, all at once, and, and we'll never know the answer to that question. But one one thing we know for sure, folks, that does that doesn't happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We, know, we are oh totally dependent upon the Spirit of God to do His work as we would give that message. Okay. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's, go <laughs> let's go on. <clears throat> we make, we make the same, same observation. Mouth. Top of page fifty three. Make, make the, the same, same observation. We reference to John six thirty seven. Verse thirty six. Jesus makes it clear that those, that those who, who not do not believe, believe are responsible for <laughs> their own decision. Take a Take look. A look. If, if you've got your Bible open there, or let me read it for you. John six thirty six. He, said, he says, but I said unto you that you have also seen me, and you believe not. Then look at, then look at verse 37. All that, All that the, the Father God giveth me God. shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me, I will, I will in no wise, wise cast out. And you've, and you've, you've got, got man's responsibility, responsibility, and it looks like God's elective purpose, in, in two verses just right, right together. Well, so in, in refuting, refuting one, one, I don't want to eliminate the tension that Scripture leaves there either. Then, then, I'm going to... Yeah, we're, yeah just, we're, we're just about at the end. Moment. I want to circle a little C. C. We'll C. leave stop we'll there and get the little D. Particular, Particular redemptionists make the same, same mistake with Romans 5, 8. I had, I had a guy do this to me in a class one day, not, not in Wisconsin, somewhere else. And, and I have read it. And I think it's Robert, Robert Raymond and this 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 just blows blows me away God God commended commended his love love for for us in that that, while we were yet sinners Christ Christ died for us and And so so the claim claim is Christ Christ died 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 for for us us, for for the the elect elect. there is is a special special love of God for the elect elect. may May I I ask you to look at the whole context and and Failure to look at the context makes that use of Romans 5.8 egregious to me. Romans 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 5, verse 6. Are you ready? When when we were yet yet without strength in in due time, Christ Christ, uh, died for the ungodly for stear- for a righteous man yet peradventure for, for a good man some believe and dare to die God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us now did Jesus Christ die for the elect as a class or did he die only for the ungodly did he die for the ungodly as a class or did he die only for the elect according to them <laughs> Huh, Not get in trouble, don't you? And I use this illustration. <clears throat> I, talk, I talk on the phone to my oldest girl, Lissa. Elizabeth is her full name. When, I'm, and when I'm, done, I'm done, I tell her I love you. Does that mean I don't love Christie? My second daughter? Obviously not. If I, if if I talk to long. one of my grandkids, whichever one, and say say we're, we're getting done, okay. I love you. Does, does that mean I don't love the other, the other five? five? Of course not. Okay. Let's let's stop, with, stop right there because yeah, we are out of time.